0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, May 15th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, I've got nothing. I'm turning the banter responsibilities over to you. You, You've got something. I just don't know what it is at this point. Well, I think that the next uh, two or three hours we should discuss the Brigadoon cast recording. Oh, we've got that later. We've got it. We've got it later in the... uh, in uh, no, no. the notes i think i think that we should have a whole five-part episode on, <laughs> on. <laughs> just one of the people in it you don't really care about the rest of them
1: uh, I, I think that this is so awesome that this is being recorded and with such a cast i mean certainly there is that one person in the cast <laughs> who is very special to me
0: but you know i don't see enough of patrick wilson I was going to say Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, though, here's the caveat with this cast recording. You can actually only listen to it once every hundred years. And it disappears. And then it disappears from your iTunes. Very good. I'm so glad <laughs> you picked up. on. Yeah.
1: All right. So first up in the news, we're going to talk about... Oh, frowny face, sad news that so we learned
0: that the uh, the play that goes wrong will finally be closing. <laughs> yeah, finally. Uh, James bust out my crystal ball because another one of my prediction has finally come true. albeit like 12 months after I initially predicted it. Um, but yes, yesterday producers announced that the longest running play on Broadway, short competition there. Um, But the longest running play on Broadway, The Play That Goes Wrong, will close on August 26th. And I assume part of that decision was because they're going to probably use a lot of the sets and costumes and maybe some of the cast uh, to take part in the national tour, which will launch in September. When it closes, it will have played a total of 612 performances on Broadway at the Lyceum Theater. That's probably about... I, I don't know, 500 more than a lot of people expected. In um, its 62 weeks on Broadway thus far, the show has grossed nearly $23 million. And even though there hasn't been an official announcement about recouping of its initial $4 million investment, I would be shocked if it hasn't or doesn't before closing night. Now, James, the Lyceum sees 922 people. And it has housed many a play and even some small musicals over the years. It is a Schubert house, so perhaps the delayed Rudin-produced Broadway premiere of Tracy Letts's *The Minutes*, or the rumored transfer of *The Hangman*, or even if we're getting frisky, *Hades Town* could go in there. Um, I want to get back to the play that goes wrong here in a second, but before we do, I've never been to the Lyceum, James. So you've been there many more times than I have. So what do you think is a good fit for that space? Either. In a specific show or just a general genre?
1: Uh, I think that, you know, I think Town might be too big for the license. Okay. I don't, you know, I have to think about that um, because I saw it down at New York Theatre Workshop. I did not see it on the proscenium. Maybe that'd be a good fit for it. I mean, Tracy lets the minutes. That's a or the hangman. I mean, these are all really good uh, insights that could go in there. And but uh, what I uh, sort of tangential to what you're mentioning, we seem to have a lot of national tours going out. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it is that is that just mean just not thinking about it too much, or do, do we think that there's more national tours than normal?
0: No, I think this is is pretty normal. you got to remember, James, what we always talk about on Broadway is there being a limited number of houses that shows can play. That's the opposite uh, in terms of what's outside of New York. There's not obviously an infinite number of theaters that a tour can play but there are plenty of theaters that can house national tours of various sizes yeah. and scopes so i i i don't feel like it's any more than normal um what i do think similar to what's happening on broadway is that some of them are staying out longer um maybe sticking with a, a an equity run longer than the initial year that most shows do maybe it goes into two years or three years and then we get a non-equity tour and then it kind of shrinks down to a bus and truck and does the one days here and there i think they're kind of staying out a little longer um But I I love this, that the play that goes wrong is touring. The humans are touring. Um, We're getting a few more plays, which we mentioned the other day um, with the Harry Potter uh, conjecture. Um, But I think it's great. And, you know, I love it. But um, getting back to the play that goes wrong, though, with this closing, you know, we're pretty much, you know, every play that's on Broadway save Harry Potter is a uh, is a limited run. But we really don't see a lot of these comedies on Broadway anymore. If we're getting straight plays, they're generally of the epic variety or the drama variety. And obviously, travesties Deason is, is an absurdist comedy. But just these middle-of-the-road, large-appeal comedies, we don't get very often on Broadway, James. And I hope that the success of this show, even though it wasn't a blockbuster, it didn't win a ton of Tony Awards, it didn't make a butt-ton of money, it sh- certainly... Um, exceeded the expectations that a lot of us had, a lot of the experts, quote unquote, had. And the fact that it's played for you know a year and a half by the time it closes, it's going on a national tour. I hope we get some of this, I don't know, I don't want to say mainstream comedy, but something that appeals to a wide swath of people. Um, I hope we get some more of that in terms of straight plays on Broadway soon. Yeah.
1: uh, I mean, we've had a handful of comedies. uh, I'm trying to think of that that comedy that Renee Fleming was in, uh, uh it's,
0: ago. It's uh, oh, it's not. It's only a play. That was the Nathan Lane one. Um, the one Douglas Sills was in yeah, it as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head, but so, it was did not do well.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we just had um, Present Laughter revival. We had uh, a, f- a few other things, but sure, I, I'm I would love to have a, a side-splitting comedy. Uh, to, to go to, um, and, uh, Peter Felicia, when he talked about his Harry Potter, uh, review on this week on Broadway, he, he said that the, uh, he felt that the record for longest running play is going to fall. So maybe, uh, (laughs) maybe the, uh, the play that goes wrong saw the
0: writing on the wall and, uh, and threw in the towel. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously if it had gone it kept going. Harry Potter wasn't going to pass it, um but it yeah. certainly Harry Potter is um certainly destined to run longer than any play um has ever run on Broadway before. Uh, I looked
1: it up. The uh play was called Living on Love. Was film. it now? Yeah. I, 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 would, uh, I would have never gotten that.
0: No, no. And I, I liked uh, it. When I when I went to see it, I, I enjoyed it. Interesting. All right. So I will uh, take your word for that. Um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, hopefully we get some more things like that and, and good luck to them. I'm looking through here and currently the longest running play on Broadway um, of all time will be Life with Father. Yes. With uh, Yes, I'm sure you knew that, um, which it closed back in 1947 with 3,224 performances. Um, it's the Broadway's longest-running straight play.
1: Now, Peter so. talked about whether they would consider uh, Harry Potter – part one and part two as one oh, performance or i don't we, know for that type of thing and also i think that the first person that i saw that had brought that up was michael dale uh from broadway world had posted that on his twitter account uh, the life with father thing i i wouldn't have known that other
0: than peter and michael dale talking about it wow well, i'm pl- gl- uh, very proud to be uh, associated with them tangentially both <laughs> Alright.
1: Uh, Alright. Next up, a new Some Like It Hot musical is in the works for Broadway.
0: Yes. Yesterday, producers Neil Maron and Craig Zidane announced their first show in their previously announced partnership with the Schubert organization. And that would be a new musical adaptation of the classic Billy Wilder comedy, Some Like It Hot. Directed and choreographed by Casey Nicholaw, the original film starred Jack Lemmon, Tony Curtis and Marilyn Monroe and focuses on two male musicians who witness a mob murder and then go on the run to you know, avoid being snuffed out themselves. And to do so, they pose as women in an all-female band. Now, James, between this Tootsie musical and Mrs. Doubtfire musical and this one, and I feel like there's one more that I'm missing uh, that I can't remember, but we're really, uh, really trying to milk all the laughs out of men dressed as women with these new musicals, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like there was one more because we've talked about this before and I can't think of what the third one is, but just like, all right, uh, we get what it. Was it uh, Tootsie? Mrs. Doubtfire, and there was Down. one more, I feel like. I can't remember. So tweet us and let us know, because I feel like there was one more we've discussed and I can't remember. But anyway, um, there's Some Like a Hot musical will feature a book by Matthew Lopez and a score by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman and is aiming for a Broadway premiere in 2020. Now, it does bear mentioning that this is not the first time that we have seen an attempt to musicalize the film on Broadway or even in a Schubert house on Broadway, for that matter. From March of 1972 through June of 1973, Jules Stein, Bob Merrill, and Peter Stone's musical Sugar played the Majestic Theater and was directed and choreographed by Gower Champion, Robert Morris, Tony Roberts, and Elaine Joyce starred in the three main roles. Now, James, I've kind of assumed at this point that the long, gestating stage adaptation of Bro- uh, of uh, Bombshell is never actually going to happen, so, since Marin, Zidane, Shaman, Whitman were all executive producers on Smash, and obviously Mark and Scott wrote most of the bombshell music for the TV show, maybe they can just pull some of the songs from that to put it into this Some Like It Hot musical and just kind of keep that Marilyn Monroe connection alive because a bombshell is never going to happen. Don't waste those songs just on, you know tv dvd sales uh, you know put them in a broadway show they you know i think it's it's about musicians and you know sugar is going to have to have some sort of you know cabaret song so throw one of the maryland songs in there for that
1: uh i you know we're running up the flagpole send it over to them and uh, see what they right. co- see what they come out with
0: i like it <laughs> i
1: right. want credit uh, of course absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Uh, and probably along with credit that you'll you know get you'll
0: probably get some points there, and we should talk exactly. about last week's Broadway grosses. We should. Yes, yeah, always good to talk about money when you have a brilliant idea. But yes, finally after a few rough frames, Broadway bounced back last week to jump up about $1.7 million or 4.4% over the previous week. In fact, only four shows that played a full eight weeks last week or eight shows last week saw a number in the red and one of those was Hamilton, which did another Eduham week last week. However, the juggernaut continued its reign on top of the grosses with $2.82 million, followed by Springsteen and Harry Potter, both the Above two million, then The Lion King, Frozen, Dear Evan Hansen, Wicked, Mean Girls, Aladdin, Come From Away, Carousel, The Book of Mormon, My Fair Lady, Summer, Cole, and The Donna Summer Musical, The Ice Man Cometh, Phantom, and Hello Dolly, all above seven figures in descending order. So, so it's a lot. Are you are you saying wow at just the number of them, or that yeah. Donna Summers in there?
1: No, <laughs> no, I'm not shocked that Donna Summers in there because uh, I've, I've spoken I. to a, a number of people that have have seen it in the last couple of weeks, and it seems like like the non-theatrical word of mouth is very, very good.
0: And people are going and enjoying it, and uh, good for them. Yeah, I think this one's going to be around until next summer, Cole and the Donna Summer Musical. Um, But anyway, uh, surprisingly, the next two shows that were just on the outside of a million dollars looking in were both plays. Angels in America, which, keep in mind, only does seven performances per week. And then Three Tall Women, which is awesome, talking about word of mouth helping a show. That's fantastic. Uh, The boys in the band likely would have broken $1 million had they not been forced to cancel Saturday night's show due to Jim Parsons' injury. Now, also, as an update, um, we're recording while that show's Monday night performance is still going, the word before... Uh, The show started was that Parsons would actually be out of the show again on Monday night. If that is not the case, we will update you on tomorrow's show. But that's the word that had been circulating prior to the curtain. Now, let's take a look at some other shows that garnered some considerable Tony nomination love and see how their grosses might have rebounded since then. The band's visit came in at eight hundred seventy-two thousand dollars at eighty-four percent of its gross potential. SpongeBob, which tied Mean Girls for the most Tony nominations, had six hundred ninety-one k last week, but that was only forty-eight point seven percent of its potential. And Once on This Island, which did pretty well uh, uh, in terms of the Tony nominations as well, was at five hundred twenty-three thousand or. 66%. Lobby Hero, which closed on Sunday, ended its run on a week of $576,721. That was actually its best week during its 11-week run. Now James, if you look at all of the grosses for this show's, you know, almost 3-month uh run on Broadway, almost every week it increased its receipts. Despite the fact that I felt like it kind of got overshadowed this entire spring, even though it had two major movie stars uh, at the at the lead here. I know Second Stage couldn't have extended this show because they've got to make room at the Helen Hayes uh, for straight white men. In fact, the marquee's already up. But I feel like there was more life in this one, especially with half of its cast getting a Tony nominations. And, I mean, its biggest star is now in the biggest movie in the world, and there could have been some good more promotion there. Obviously, that's one of the... Drawbacks of a subscription house. You can't really extend some of these things. But I know you and I both love the show. I listened to Peter and Michael. They both really like the show um, as well. And so I feel like for some reason, despite the star wattage in the leads, this one just kind of slipped under a lot of people's radar.
1: Yeah. uh, uh, It's so tough because, as you said, you have these enormous talents and enormous names in this show. Uh, but it is a small theater and, you know, does it make sense to spend a hundred thousand dollars a week on advertising to get the word out there? No, it doesn't really. And so, uh, keep it as a, a jewel, uh, comfortably kept in that little case. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Angels in America only doing seven performances is kind of odd because it's a two-parter. So it should be an even number of performances, but that's just my OCD.
0: Yeah, I think what they do is is on maybe um, Sunday, they alternate week to week. Um, so it's part one, one Sunday, part two, the next Sunday, and the rest are back to back.
1: Okay.
0: All right. What do we have in the uh, recommendation section? Uh, okay, two things. Um, the first one, I have to admit, when I first saw the headline, I was a little... Uh, I was a little annoyed by the headline because I thought that it was a completely different article from what it actually was. But this actually comes from Elizabeth Elizabeth Fincitelli writing in The New York Times. The headline of the article was Bikini Bottom by Way of Party City. Now, I thought that she was going to say that the design for SpongeBob SquarePants was cheap and, you know, frivolous. And uh, not that I would expect that from her, because as I've mentioned on here before, I love her. I just thought it was kind of, you know, Party City is not exactly the the best uh, of places to get Broadway costumes and set pieces. But when you read the read the article, it was actually fantastic because that's actually kind of where uh, designer David Zinn got a lot of the materials talking about like a mermaid's tail decorated with a bunch of different color pinks, uh, rubber gloves. Um, there's some other things like crocheted costumes, uh, a bunch of sequins on Squidward's costumes. Um, it's just a really cool article and look at the different costumes and things. That David Zinn created for this show, um, uh, a really cool look at it, and and I, I'm, uh, it's funny the the more distance I get from having seen this show, the more I'm kind of becoming fond of it. Just to kind of think about all of the cool things that they do in there. So take a look at that. Um, and we always love seeing Elizabeth Mazzitelli, uh come up with something uh, new, a different angle for these types of things. And then finally, James, it's that time of year. If you missed a complete Broadway season, do not fear. Because the one, the only Tony winner Lor Benanti is here to explain it to you. That theater Mania, as much as I hate the fact that another theater website, one of our competitors, uh, puts these things out. Lor Benanti explained the plays of 27, 2018 and The musicals will be coming in short order, I'm sure. Uh, but this was great, uh, um, as always. Um, I, I really enjoyed the the Marvin's Room explanation. That was really funny. Travesties was good as well. Um, so check that out. We love Benanti around here. And, uh, this, these are always some of the funniest things to come out during Tony season. All right, Matt, what else do we have today? All right. We've got some fun stories to send you out with onto your Tuesday. First up yesterday, producers announced that stage and screen star Eric Bergen will take over the role as Dr. Pomatter in Waitress on Broadway beginning on June 5th. Now this blew my mind, James, the role will be the Madam Secretary stars Broadway debut. I was shocked by this. He's done a number of national tours. He was Billy in uh, the Anything Goes Tour a couple years ago. He's done Jersey Boys, and there was another big one I can't remember. Um, but and he was actually a recorded voice in the show An American Daughter, which played Broadway in 1997. But this will be his debut proper, so good for him. He'll be in the role through early August. Next, moving from Broadway to where Bergen's CBS TV show is set, Washington, D.C. Yesterday, we learned the complete cast of the Kennedy Center's Broadway Way center stage production of how to succeed in business without really trying. Joining the previously announced Skylar Aston, Betsy Wolf, and Michael Urey will be John Bolton as Mr. Bratt, John Michael Higgins as Bigley, Joaquina Kalukango as Smitty, Michael McGraw as Mr. Twimble and Wally Wamper, and the most exciting for many people, I'd imagine, Becky Newton as Hetty. Now, you might not know Newton as a stage performer, but for years she starred opposite Yuri on Ugly Betty, and they are very good friends. They were very uh, um, you know, conniving together on that show, so I think it will be hysterical to see them together, and hopefully they get some social media backstage stuff together as well. The show will be playing our nation's capital from June 6th through Tony Sunday, June 10th. Moving back to New York yesterday, the National Yiddish Theater, Folksbane, announced the cast for the Joel Gray-directed Yiddish production of Fiddler on the Roof, running from July 4th through August 26th. The cast will be led by Stephen Skybell and Jill Abramovitz as Tevya and Goldie, respectively, with the one and only Jackie Hoffman saying shit that only Jackie Hoffman can say as Yenta. And finally, two cast albums were announced yesterday. James already mentioned one, the studio recording of last year's New York City Center Gala production of Brigadoon starring Kelly O'Hara, Patrick Wilson, Stephanie J. Block, Asif Manvi and more that will be released by Ghostlight Records. And the other is the current off-Broadway production of the York Theatre Company's Unexpected Joy that will be released by J Records. If you would like more information on any or all of these stories, please check out the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt.
1: And my name is James Merida from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us. And Matt and I will be back and talk with you tomorrow.